It's uh, episode 36, it's our pre-Thanksgiving for us, post-Thanksgiving for you episode. Um, I don't know, have you gone to see anything, Jess? I Well, I've been watching all of the rest of the movies that I kind of missed because I don't want to see them, but I did want to see them, sort of. That makes sense. What, what, yeah, what? because it's those movie, movies like A Star is Born, that Ooh. remake, uh, Bradley Cooper remade that one yeah, with... Yeah. Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. There's one like before him. that and one yeah. before that, yeah. It's him and Lady Gaga. Uh, I don't know why people like this movie, and I don't know why it has such great reviews. Like, it has great reviews. I know. Uh, which is weird to me because I hate it. Yeah. Okay, like, the there is good parts to it. I mean, Lady Gaga's voice is incredible. She has a great voice. She always has. She has a great presence. It's good. Uh, Bradley, but none of the characters are likable at all. Like, I felt nothing at the end of it. Like, people are like, I cried forever. It's like, why? That guy was a drunk asshole who got mad that this woman found her own career and then blamed her and then killed himself. That's fucking dumb. Spoiler alert. I haven't seen it. I don't plan on seeing it, though. Who cares? I don't plan on seeing it, though, because... It's a trash movie, and if you like it, you're a trash person, so bye. I I know a lot of trash people, then, who... Who really love that movie, and I don't yeah, get it because it's because they're emotional well, bags just, of shit. There's nothing that, <laughs> that uh, I'm like mad that people like this so much. Yeah, like, but that's how I feel about this a lot of guy movies. is a tra- both of them are trash. One, she doesn't care. She just kind of you know made well, her career on on him, which is fucking great, girl. Get it, but don't feel like you owe him anything. And then like he gets all weird and possessive and dependent on her success and then feels bad about himself. Sorry, bitch. Like, sorry you're such a weak person that you have to rely on, you know, someone else to make you. Yeah, that you have to... (laughs) uh, I meant... (laughs) I don't know. I just... I don't really... um, I have no desire to see it. It it, it kind of strikes me... You know, it's like one of those things where when something gets so hyped... um, it puts me but immediately on the story, on that's what I'm saying, the story is even bad. Yeah. It's some, like, patriarchal bullshit. <laughs> well, isn't it, like, but, I mean, like, is it, as far as the, like, uh, it being overrated, isn't it kind of the same thing as, like, La La Land, which everybody I never saw it. Cause I, I didn't either, because everybody I, raved about it, but I was like, there's I never nothing. I There's nothing about this movie that makes me want to see it. And that's how you all Star was born. I yeah. just, there's nothing about it. I look at that, I haven't even seen a trailer. I just, like. I've seen knew pictures. It was gonna be bad. I just know. Well, it's just like it's like if you go through the list of things that I might find appealing, A Star Is Born doesn't have any of them. I don't really care about Bradley Cooper. I don't. I, I know that it's tre- it's like passionate now or trendy to like to shit on Bradley Cooper. I don't care either way. Like there's times I like him. There's times I don't like him. I especially love him. What Hot American Summer. Yeah. I could care less for him and other stuff. I don't care about Lady Gaga. Like I get that she's in t- she's talented, but. I just don't care. I just feel like it could have been anything different. else. He could have written, like he could have used the same premise loosely and made it a better movie. And instead, it just was like 
a, a bag of crap. But anyway. Yeah, so you saw I I saw, saw that. Uh, I also saw, finally, Crazy Rich Asians, which is really good. It's like, <laughs> I don't, um, have you ever seen that show, too, that um, they write for? Actually, I it's on network cable, which I don't have, and I just happened to come across it at a friend's house when I was visiting. And it's really good, actually. Oh, Off the Boat. Yeah, yeah, I've heard um, it's, it's really good. It's very clever. The comedy is, like, still very, like, witty and 2018, but it's not, like, too overly censored. Like, it's still family, yeah. but it's good. And that's how I felt about this. It was, like, it was like funny. It's an all-Asian cast. Like, it's really a great yeah. romantic comedy. Like, it really is. Um, and they kind of played off that dynamic, too, where, um, very touchy, where, like, someone was reliant on someone else too much. On Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Fuck, Mickey! <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So, anyway, it was good. Uh, and then I watched, um, The Hunger, because I was thinking about Steve McQueen, because Steve McQueen's new movie came out, which is Widows, which we saw, I saw at Beyond Fest. Um, so I was going through some of his old movies, which I've seen, 12 Years a Slave, and I've seen Shame, I've never seen Hunger, uh, which I really like, but I like, I'm pretty sure there's not a prison movie that I haven't liked so far. Who's in 12 Years a Slave? I, I know it's Michael Fassbender, but who else? Like, I'm talking about, like, I'm talking about the, the, the crappy white people in the movie. Uh, who else plays a crappy white person? Yeah. I don't remember. Why do, I know this is, you're going to think I'm kidding around, but why did I feel like Bradley Cooper was in that <laughs> As a shitty white guy? Because yeah. he plays a shitty white guy in every yeah, movie. Yeah, uh, Where hasn't he played a shitty white guy? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. But I, anyway, that was uh, another great um, McQueen movie. It's it's different. It's funny because Widows is much different, I feel like, than his other work. Mm-hmm. But I really like Widows. Uh, like the crime action drama and hunger is like kind of slower pace and it's like really obviously about the the hunger strike yeah yeah um but yeah it was great i mean michael fassbender is like kind of great in everything for the Mm. most part even even if the movie's really bad yeah even if the movie's really bad like Um, i could have watched him teaching himself to play the flute in uh alien covenant for the entire movie (laughs) and i probably would have enjoyed it but uh, as it stands, there's only a little bit of that part, that weird homoerotical, homoerotic oh, yeah. show. Oh, yeah, I could have watched you, it for forever. Let me show you how to play this, and you're like, ooh. I don't know why this is a turn-on for a heterosexual male, but It's a turn-on it for anyone, really? Yeah, it really is. Michael Fassbender teaching Michael Fassbender. Yeah, how to deli- delicately do, play the Yeah, flute. I like that. Um, I have not... I don't feel like I feel like I don't feel like I've seen anything. You haven't I seen like. anything, even old stuff. I watched Village of the Damned. Oh, you did. Oh, good because I was gonna grab it. I was gonna ask yeah. if you were done. Just like a watch. Because we were talking about that briefly, which movie we should do. Because we've been like di- like in the '90s, we've been like soaking ourselves in the '90s lately. Yeah. Uh, so I did watch Village of the Damned too. That John Carpenter remake with Christopher Reeve and Mark Hamill and Mark Hamill and Kirstie Alley. Christy, Christy Ellie is in it. I forgot when she was in movies. Like, I know, I know. Like, and, and you know what the thing is? is? She was good in movies. She was. She was. I'm not saying she was bad or anything, but no, she but just it's like, like, hasn't... It, what I mean is that like it's so funny that she's forgettable that she was in movies when I was like... Because I rewatched. This isn't something I watched recently. This is like a year ago. It was on like, some streaming thing. I was like, look who's talking. Why not? And I put it on. I was like... Because they know, were good. It was, the first one's great. The first one. Um, but she was good. There's I think Village of the Dam is actually pretty solid. It's not... It is, and uh, I think kids are creepy anyway. Okay. But that scene um, in the boiling pot of water always freaked me out. Yeah, that's a good Plus, one. Plus, like, there's a lot to do with, like, 
I don't know. Fuck kids. There's like little sociopathic kids out there. I've seen Law and Order. SVU. Well, do you want to talk about it since we were going to talk about it, but we're the movie that we did doesn't really correlate with the topic, but I think we should talk about creepy kids because I was thinking about creepy kids a lot. I mean, there's a lot to talk about because kids are generally creepy anyway, but w- I don't know if we should spend our whole episode, the rest of this episode, talking about it because our movie content is like, Yeah, different. yeah, yeah, you're but right. But right. we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to creepy kids. we think kids are creepy. Some kids. And that we're going to have a whole episode. No, all kids. All okay. kids. All kids. I don't know. Even, yeah, your darling little Charlie is a creepy little shit, okay? He eats his boogers and... That's not creepy, though. That's just... That's like, creepy! How's that creepy? You ate your boogers when you were a kid, too. I never ate my boogers. All I was right. a I booger-free child. <laughs> okay. You were the one child that wasn't creepy and ate your but boogers. But, yeah, we, so we've been thinking about it because, you know... Everyone, well, we'll have a whole bunch to talk about when we do it. Cause, yeah, because all our friends have kids, and we're going to talk shit true. about all of I, them. That's true. A lot of my... You know, a friend of mine just had another kid, and I'm, you know... I think they're they're wonderful. Oh, well, it's weird because like I think they're wonderful when they're li- really little, and then there's this weird thing when they're like between three and five where I really can't like stand them. Mm-hmm. But then from five on, I love them again. You know, <laughs> um, it's that it's that sweet spot though that drives me nuts where they're like, they you know it's that kind of that arrogance that kids have when they walk around they learn new words and they're like you know oh I can say this this and it's like fuck yeah. you I've been saying that for years. <laughs> uh, literally everything. I've known that word. Li- yeah, I know. Than you've been I know. Shut up. You know. Um, um, yeah, and there's even um, in the movie that we're gonna cover that there's a kid in it who plays like a really important part. Yeah. Um, especially in the part of disbelief, which is or belief. Yeah. You know, those those are my favorite parts. And well, yeah, and, and you know, one of the things I like about the movie we talked about is I've always been fascinated with uh, urban legend. And yeah. You know, Amer- like that t- the contemporary American folklore, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's And weird. as a kid, like yeah. every I think growing up every weird little town or city had their own urban legend as Well, that's what I was, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and it's because it's interesting to watch how quickly they become. They go from like, you know, something that's based in fact to this like crazy elaborate like urban legend like mm-hmm. um, when I was in high school and I was 16, uh, we actually, I think I might have mentioned this once or twice, but mm-hmm. I mentioned this on the first episode, actually. There was a murder in our town. Oh, yeah. There was a suburban housewife who was murdered, and, like, for weeks, well, she, for weeks she was dis- she was missing, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. and they were doing candlelight vigils, and it was her husband who was leading the candlelight vigils, and it was these, it was this crazy, you know, thing, and there was all this talk, like, what could happen to her? Did she disappear? Did she vanish? Like, what happened? Her bike was found here, and, like, in the town next door, and, you know, in the grocery store parking lot, like, all this stuff. I remember, like, me and my friends, like, there was, like, all these cops surrounding the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, this one weekend, I remember me and two of my other friends, we, like, snuck through the woods and kind of pop out to, like, right across from the house. And I remember we're standing there, and there's this guy next to me. I don't know who he is. And I'm just, like, <laughs> talking to my friends, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'll, bet, I'll bet the husband did do it. And the guy's like... He didn't do it. Like, I, you know, I go bowling with him every Tuesday. Like, he didn't kill his wife. And I was like, oh, shit, sorry. Turns out he did kill his wife. Turns out he did stuff her dead body in a Rubbermaid, like, container uh-huh. in the basement. But what I, the interesting thing is that, like, I remember within a year, late at night, you know, we were, like, walking. You know, we would walk by the house. Yeah. You know, like, if you went for, like, a long walk at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning with your friends. And, like, you know, it's something as simple as, like, the little red like, security alarm in the basement. Like, we're, like, running, you know, down the street. Or, like, you know, or hearing, 
you know, younger kids start to retell that story and, be, and like me being like, whoa, that's not how it happened at all. Yeah. Whereas I don't even know if I know, I mean, I know that he, we know that he did it. He went to trial, all this stuff, but I don't even know the specifics about it, but I remember hearing like a, a yeah. generation's like version of it and being like, that's not, that's, that would, you know, not to sound shallow and awful because it's about, you know, someone getting murdered, but that would have been way cooler if it happened that way, but it didn't, you know, like, the, the, you know. I mean, it, yeah, it's a, like a long game of telephone where exactly. a, a story gets sensationalized exactly. uh, the longer it goes on, which is like, and, and you grew up in Massachusetts too, it's like a, even I, uh, for the most part, when I was younger in like grade school years, I grew up in a tiny town, East Bridgewater, and it was established really early, so all of the houses are really old, so you have all these stories of right. that, like, like Civil War, like even predate like the um, American Revolution, Revolution yeah. like um, even before that, be- before it was an actual town, it was still established as like an area, and it that's fucking creepy because every little place has its own little story of like what ghosts are haunting it and what oh, yeah. happened here and stuff like that. And I I was as a kid believed fucking all of them. Yeah. Like there was nothing that you could tell sure. me like no yeah can- Candyman fucking lives there. Right. Well yeah. And then when I was the boogeyman lives there. Bloody Mary lives there. Absolutely. And when I know? and when I was uh, you know before I moved to, to Massachusetts I, I grew up in South Jersey and like the big prevalent thing there was the Jersey Devil, which, like, yeah. I remember, I remember my, my aunt's neighbors, I lived with my aunt for a little while, I remember, and she lived in the woods, you know, which is where, oh, yeah. like, kind of, like, there's, like, the stretch of the Pine Barrens, you know, which stretches a lot longer than people think, and, like, you know, it's a very wooded area, and my aunt lived in the woods, um, you know, her and my uncle, like, they built the house that they lived in, but it was, like, now it's a little bit more developed, but then it was, like, wasn't as developed, you know, like, it was yeah. still dirt roads when you were going to, like, when I was going to visit them, and they had this long, like, long driveway that was, like, like the trees just kind of, like, enveloped yeah. them, you know? And, like, so my, my aunt's neighbors, who were kids my age, um, they got off on the fact that I was scared of everything. So, like, <laughs> they found, they, they, like, I never heard of the Jersey Devil, so they told me this, like, you know, they told me this long story and all these different, like, you know, urban legends about it, and I was, like, shaking, and I go back to my aunt's house, and I'm, like, walking in the dark down this long driveway, and my my aunt was, a, she was, like, at work or something like that, so my uncle was there, and my uncle and I get along great, but, like, he's, at the time, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he was, this is before their kids were born, so yeah. he was still trying to figure out how to, like, you know, be kind of a paternal figure, and I was still trying to figure out, like, my neurosis from, like, you know, older men after my mom's, you know, after my parents got divorced, you know, so... I'm trying to tell him how scared I am about this thing, and he's just like, <laughs> "All right, off to bed." And I'm like, <laughs> "So then the uh, next morning, suck it up, bud. <laughs> yeah." So the next morning, my aunt wakes me up, and she tells me that she heard that I was scared, and she tries to tell me this story about how there was this this old guy who he was kind of crazy, and he had lots of hair, and nobody could really see his face, so they started making up stories about him, mm-hmm. and that's how the whole. And I was like. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, like, you know, for that moment, I believed it. And then I went to school. I was like, no, you guys were wrong. Like, my aunt told me this. And I'm like, no, that's not true. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's not true. And I was scared all over again. So I had that going up. And then moving yeah. to Massachusetts, we have, like. Well, uh, you did you hear about the Bridgewater Triangle thing now? There's, no. like, a whole thing. Yeah, I, love I, it. I, I can't. Lay it on me. I'm sorry, because I don't remember the names of who was trying to do this documentary about the Bridgewater Triangle. But What um, is the Bridgewater our, Triangle? Our friends at the Stockberry Dark actually covered this um 
in an episode, so you should go and listen to that. But it is, it's like that weird urban legend that you have about the surrounding areas. I mean, in the Bridgewater, there was like East Bridgewater, West Bridgewater, and Bridgewater, and there's like a whole weird triangle that's like disappearances and murders and all this stuff. Fuck. But it's just like, it's really funny, and it, now it's become like this urban legend about the Bridgewaters, which is, is, is kind of great because ev- literally every place has their own yeah. weird uh, legend. Newburyport, I think had this urban legend that, and, you know, me and my friends, of course, all piled in a car and went. It was something like there was this park that was haunted, and there's it, there was a gate to hell, which I think there's, like, I think every other yeah, town yeah. has a gate to hell. No, no yeah, yeah. It's, but, like, in the mines or in a cave. Yeah, and so like... we're walking through this park, and sure enough, like, as we're walking through this park, like, there's this animal that is just fucking, like, it's either dying or freaking out, but it's, like, screeching. Oh, no. And, like, my, I'm, like, I'm for some reason, I'm not scared, but my friend Jim was just kept going, <laughs> oh, my God, what is it? was, like, remember that video that we that went viral a few years ago of, like, that kid, guy, what the fuck is that yeah. thing? That's what it was like. Um, and then we finally get to this, like, clearing, and there is, like, there's this, like, cement, like, kind of, like, ramp, right? In the middle of nowhere, there's a cement ramp going down, and there's a door, and like of course everybody's just standing there being like, go fucking knock on it, go fucking. So me and my me and my my roommate at the time, me and her ran over and just started banging on the door because we were like, fuck yeah, let's let's something's gotta happen, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. Urban legends like um, they every town's got them. Yeah. Um, and uh, that I, I I love that. I love that it's because it is. It's like it's our folklore. I mean, we grew up. Yeah. Well, scary stories in the dark. Oh and the my whole god. Book yeah. of like just weird. Just a collection of stories. Yeah. yeah. A collection of legends, basically, of mm-hmm. of, of things that you could have sworn you heard before. Right. I'm not. Um. Or someone. It happened to your friend's sister, or mm-hmm. like something like that. And there's even more I can think of. Like too. the girl who goes to a party. And this wasn't a scary even story now. Like I had. Yeah. Someone tell me like, did you see the picture of the ghost in the road? When someone was driving, they're like, I saw the picture. It's fucked up. Like, I don't know what to do. No, tell no, you. I'm talking about the urban legend that it, well, I, when, I I heard, mean, when I heard the story, though, I heard it like I heard it happen to a friend, a friend of a friend, you know, like how urban legends get spread. But it was like, yeah. a girl goes to a party. She hooks up with this dude, right? She goes down on him. She hooks up with, you know, after they hook up and everything. And the next few days, she's getting like these weird like mites like around her, like, you know face and everything like that and she goes to the doctor and the doctor like says like the, the, these bite marks are from like an insect or a fly or like a uh, something that only really kind of like exists in like dead flesh or dead mm-hmm. bodies and then she like does some research about the guy she hooked up and she finds that he worked at a funeral home mm-hmm. so he was like fucking the dead bodies and then she went down you know and so I hear the story I'm like holy shit and then you find out like you know oh then you know you hear about it in another yeah. completely other city, like oh, or the Eddie Murphy story when before it was Eddie Murphy or after it was Eddie Murphy it was Will Smith, you know the one about the 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 kind of the awkward white couple on their like vacation or their honeymoon either way, and um, they're staying at this hotel and they go in there and these the ladies like really nervous because these two black guys like walk into the elevator and and you know the doors close and and uh, you know the one of the black guys says hit the floor please. And the lady just drops and hits the ground. No, like I've just, never heard that. You've this. never heard the story? It's no. <laughs> so she, she, like, she ducks, she, like, drops to the ground uh. and everything like that. She freaks out. And, you know, they, they were like, oh, no, we meant to push the button. So, you know, she pushed the, she's like, oh, ah. She pushes the button. And the next day when that, that then when she's checking out with her husband, like, your room's already paid for. And they're like, how's it possible? They were like, you know, uh, we weren't supposed to say anything. But, you know, Mr. 
insert either Eddie Murphy or Will Smith or whatever black actor said that he hasn't had a laugh like that in the longest time, you know, so he paid your bill. But the funny thing is, like, I heard somebody try to tell me that was a true story, Uh but it was Will Smith. And before that, and then when you look it up online, it's like, oh, it was Eddie Murphy. And before that, it was, like, probably, like, Richard Pryor. And before that, it was Sidney Poitier. You know what I mean? Like, there's, that's how these things... I love, yeah, and I love how they just keep growing, and they just keep, and and when somebody tells you the story, it's it's not just they're telling you the story. It's like some of these people are adamant, like, no, this fucking happened. You're like, yeah, because there's, I mean, it's really funny, and even uh, did you have Bloody Mary in your? We all had Bloody Mary in your school. I don't know. Ours was in our school. Oh, again, our schools were really old too. We had that, and um, you know. In, so, like, we would do it in school instead, or like, so, like again, uh, since it was an older town, East Bridgewater. Right. You could do it in someone's house that was built really. Yeah, we did that in right? houses. Yeah. But yeah, some I feel like some people had different. They didn't have Bloody Mary. They had like other things. It's funny you say that, Jessica. They mentioned Bloody Mary because um, we watched Candyman, which yeah. kind of plays off of that. Folklore, it's also based on a uh, Clive Barker short story in the Books of Blood, The Forbidden, which takes place in... This is another great example of an urban legend. The short story takes place in Liverpool, England. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And, and she's not a grad student doing her thesis paper. Lead yeah, character. she's doing it on, like... I've talked to people who tell me, like, no, 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 I know the area in Chicago where Candyman came from. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, that's not a real urban legend... From Chicago, that's a short story that that got you know yeah. turned into a, you know a movie that takes place in Chicago. They changed location, and then when they decided to do it in America, and they decided to do it in Chicago, Cabrini Green Housing, which was you know notoriously a terrifying place, mm-hmm. seemed to be a perfect fit. And then it all kind of like the adaptation process began. Yeah. It's like oh, we can do this and we can do this. Uh, um, but uh, thesis student is do our grad student is doing her thesis paper with her friend. On urban legends, yeah. and um, they hear about an urban legend about a a, uh, a killer or a ghost or a specter that like they uh, named Candyman or called Candyman. When you say his name five times in the mirror, bling, he shows up right behind you and he'll kill you. Yeah, and it's always a kind of a dare to play it, but it, tr- and, yeah, it has like a bunch of different um, pieces of other urban legends too. Like it has the you know you you say it into a mirror five times. He also has a hook hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also has like bees. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know the hook like, hand. You know what's weird is that until you just said that out loud, I never put that together. <laughs> what? I'm not kidding. That's so right, weird. Right. Like I get the Bloody Mary part, obviously, and I get the whole urban legend. Yeah. But the fact that I was like. Oh yeah, he's got a hook for a hand, just like every crate story you hear. Yeah, about. yeah. Um, so it has a lot of these like kind of tropes and, and stories. Yeah. Um, but, but it still kind of works. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's so like uh, her research t- brings her to the Cabrini Green, which is this housing project in Chicago that um, very bad, very crime ridden, and actually the reality. But she's very nosy. All she's very nosy. Business. Yeah, all she's, right. She's very nosy, and uh, she's very. Uh, Oh, also, trying... she keeps going around being like, I'm not a cop. Like, you think that's good? That's, you th- what Dude, are you doing? Yeah, exactly. I would be running around being like, hey, I'm guys. Like, everyone, I'm not a cop, okay? Um, but, um, you know, Cabrini Green, like, apparently has, like, you know, it's almost like its own little mini city. It's got its own grocery store. It's like this little area, this little pocket has its own little world. And this is true. Um, the funny thing about what I would said about people being like, no, no, I know the story that it's based off of, blah, blah, blah. There was a woman who was murdered in Chicago, mm-hmm. and the killer came through yeah. the, the, the mirror. 
like uh, the medicine cabinet. Like mm-hmm. they pushed, they came through the, like the uh, passageway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want it to make it sound like anything that it's not, but um, so there was bits and pieces of that story too in in Candyman. But Bernard Rose took Clive Barker's story. Apparently, he had met Clive Barker years before um, while Clive Barker was filming Nightbreed. Yeah. And Bernard Rose was like, he who's made nothing. Else. Oh, he did. He we did Paper House, which was. I heard it's really good. Immortal Beloved. Do you remember that one with Gary Oldman as Beethoven? And he's... It's like when Gary Oldman's just crazy doing all crazy, like... Yeah, but I mean, like, is that really that noteworthy? No, but I mean, like, I think in the England... In, in England's art house, like, cinema, like, Bernard Rose is still kind of, like... He's still well-respected, but I mean, it's clear that still? his... Yes, but his his most yes, famous... Yes, you know, because you're in the yeah. you're in that scene. Yeah, I am in that scene. You're not. Fuck I off. I, what are you talking about? You, little, I, I don't know. Little, 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 little known I, fact. I'm in film. Little uh, known my fact. name is Mickey. Little I'm, known fact, I'm in the English film scene, um, the UK film scene. Uh, I don't know if you know that or not. I don't just do this podcast or, or work my shitty job. Don't listen to him. Or host karaoke. I'm also... No, but I mean, like, it's clear that Bernard Rose is, like, his big film is he'll yeah. always be remembered for this movie because yeah. this is one of those movies that like is it's it's a horror film and it's a great horror film but it, it's like a slasher film but that doesn't feel like a slasher film you know what i mean like in the sense that like it doesn't have like there's a certain and i love this about a lot of slasher films but it, it has like there's there's a certain kind of sleazy like griminess or um kind of uh exploitation feel yeah, they, Candyman doesn't have that. Well, it does, but I think they play off it okay. to as like a self-realization type yeah. of thing. Like even in the movie too, they say it like, "Oh, it's kind of funny that um, a bunch of murders happened there, but it took white one white woman to yeah. you know." It it kind of plays off itself, which is what makes it I think smarter than other movies. I think um, that's what I'm trying to say. Is that it's yeah. smart, but it was it was it was the right balance of smart, but also the right balance of like visceral horror for, like, people who don't like smart movies could still watch Candyman and be like, this movie fucking rocks, you know? Um, fucking rocks. It, but, I mean, I think it has the best of both <laughs> worlds, and that's why the movie endures so long is because, you know, it's a horror movie, and but it also has, a, you know, it, Candyman could easily be put up there with Freddy, Jason, yeah. all these characters, but he doesn't and feel... And like, kind of smooth, too. Tony Todd's fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, that part in the parking lot, you yeah. know, when he first says her name and it kind of just like rings through your oh, yeah. entire being. Helen. And yeah. you're like, what? Like that, I would, I would not turn around, okay? If someone said my name, like he said Helen, yeah. I would not turn around. I would not look, I would not say what. I'd be like, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. fuck off, lady. She's like, who? I'm like, no, shut up. Shut your mouth. Get in your car. Drive away. Yeah, but it wouldn't it wouldn't make a difference. He shows up everywhere. And I that's know. What I like about, I like, that's what I like about it is that he doesn't have rules that you can easily talk yourself out of. You know. Yeah. Um, what I like about this, what I like about Candyman, though, is that I like that a big part of it is about like, you know, the the idea of legends and how how like it's important to keep those legends alive. Otherwise, like the only reason why he goes on this killing spree is because he wants to be remembered. He, yeah, because by by her trying to disprove that he exists, mm-hmm. you know, and just prove that he's just like a flat. Because she does stumble across like a gangster who is uh, using the Candyman mythology and folklore to scare the rest of Cabrini Green. Once she gets him arrested, that's when Candyman actually shows up. It's because like, hey, people were fucking scared of me. Yeah. Because, and now you've taken that away from them. And so now I gotta do all this fucked up shit 
to to make to kind of get back. And it's like I love that. I love that that it's all about storytelling and mythology and. I do like the ending too of where it kind of like splits like the duality of of uh, that type of of legend where one in one way she's a she's an angel and she saved this baby yeah. and another one she comes back as a, a murderer as like a vengeance murderer and kills yeah. her cheating a- asshole ex-husband you know it's really it's Todd really, Todd she, she's not, not my, my mother Todd, Todd. Uh, um, Xander Berkeley plays her yeah husband, who which also, always plays an asshole he I, does I, I looked through his filmography because I've seen him in a lot of stuff and yeah like, there's gotta be at least one thing where he's like a likable character a dickhead yeah. I can't find it yet as far as I'm concerned he's a pretty much an asshole in everything I've seen yeah he's, in Sid Nancy he's an asshole he's a drug dealer um uh, that's like yeah was a, he was the one who stumbles across Sid Vicious and Nancy like when she's dead uh, anyway point is like Xana Berkeley, total dick. But I, at the same time, I you know what the funny thing is at the end of the movie when like he gets his, I guess comeuppance or whatever yeah. you want to. I kind of feel bad for him, you know, like he like because Xander Berkeley for as as shitty of as a as a character at, you know that he plays in all these movies, he's good at playing it. And yeah. I actually like you actually feel bad for him because he's like having this moment where he's like, fuck, I totally like betrayed my wife. I shacked up with this. Dumb idiot who's like yeah, who she can't paint the apartment paint? pink and chop up meat and throw it in the sink like a real bitch. I know. I was kind of like stop throwing around that meat. I know. And you're gonna get the whole house meaty. Yeah. After you just did it all this tacky pink. By the way, we're gonna do our apartment pink. I'm not joking, but not that type of pink. Like, <laughs> because I was watching, it was like, oh, and there's that great scene where she like comes home after she's escaped yeah, the mental hospital. Like, I, she's like, I hate this color scheme. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I'm starting to second guess it myself. <laughs> um, but. Um, and Tony Todd plays the uh, plays Candyman. He does it. So he again, like this is the era of like hammy horror villains. You know, yeah. Freddy at this point is no longer scary. He's you know punchy one liners. Same thing with Chucky. Even even Pinhead, another Clive Barker, yeah, you know, type or, of original original character, has reached a point in the sequels where he's saying like, you know, um, he's 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 quipping a lot more. I mean, they're still elegant. But they're still quipping, you know. Like they're he'll kill somebody, and if like you yeah. know, and he'll do he'll do some appropriate nice quip. little poem to go. Yeah, with that you know type something like you're really like. Dude, well, because yeah, I mean, t- especially too the like weird folklore that they gave him. Yeah. Like, he's educated. And yes. This. Um, and it's funny too because Philip Glass does the score to this movie, which is kind of great because it adds that elegance into it too. Like the score work is beautiful it is for this fantastic. movie, which. I think everything he's I think Phil Glass has never, um, I don't think he's done any other soundtracks. I think that was for, the big movies. For films, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he has. Has not. No. He has? I, I don't think any horror movies. I just remember it was like, I remember hearing and, you know, then and now that it's it was a big deal to bag Phil Glass for this because it, he doesn't do this often, you know? And yeah. Like, and, and the score really is fantastic. And I mean, like, that was one of the things that... Um, in an interview with Virginia Madsen, who plays the main character, Helen, like, she was saying that, like, Bernard Rose can talk you into doing anything. Which is weird, because he doesn't seem like someone... Unless you're in the English art scene. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The underground, like Mickey, uh, an established veteran of the underground British art. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Steve McQueen, who's that dude? Um, but, uh... Shmoo-hoo. Yeah, right. Um... But yeah, and and the, with, the other thing that makes this movie work so well is that it does have 
Kyle, oh yeah, he's done other score work. The Illusionist. Uh, there's like he's this, done a ton of shit. By the way, Philip Gosselin yeah. is like oh. There's but was this the first movie he had done? It might have been. I can't. I'm not even close to where the beginning is. I think he's done other like. But it's again. It it probably especially for a more commercial film like yeah. Candyman that. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Candyman in a horror film because not honestly, not a lot. I mean, now you have because you have a lot of experimental type of musicians doing score work too. But like, I feel like it was unheard of for someone like Philip Glass to do a horror film. Yeah, I agree. And that was kind of a big deal. It was a big get. And like, that's what I, that's what I like about this movie is that all the pieces really fit. Like, he, he's got such a great cast in this movie. You know, Virginia Madsen, who is just she's. There's something about her that's very likable anyway. I think she's a great actress, but I also just like her. Like, I like, yeah. I like watching interviews with her. I like her in the movie Dune, even though she's got five lines probably. I'm still like, yeah, she's really cool. And, like, yeah, uh, I like Cassie Lemons, who is a character actress who gets very... Who, does, who deserves way more recognition than she gets. She was in Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage. She's Jodie Foster's best friend in Silence of the Lambs. You know, she's the best friend character in this movie. Um, she's, like, she's her partner. Yeah. And she went on to become a director. Eve's Bayou, Caveman's Valentine. Oh, really? Yeah, and she's, like, and she's done a lot of stuff on her own. And, it's like, but she, you know, in this, everybody's just kind of put together really well. And they, like, yeah. it's, it's just really, the little kid that we were talking about. Yes. He's, I think he's fantastic, you know. Yeah, everyone is kind of, like, a really great actor in this. Yeah. Um, not that they wouldn't be, like you're saying. Sure. But, but for um, for a film like this that's right. kind of campy, it's, like, really good. Sure, exactly. And, like, this is what this goes back to my argument about the 90s and horror films. Is like, this is a good... This is an example of what I'm talking about, whereas I feel like if this Candyman, they were going to make it... In fact, I think they did make it a few... They did make another Candyman a few years later. They yeah. Made, they made three. It wasn't Bernard... Um, no. The second one was... Um, oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank. But, like, the second one was directed by the guy who did Gods and Monsters and uh, Dreamgirls. Dreamgirls. That movie with Eddie Murphy. You know, the guy in the elevator who tells the lady to hit the floor, and then she does. And then... <laughs> um, but, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank and it's driving me crazy because... I'm looking at it. All right, look it up. But anyway, um, so uh, Candyman 3, I think, has got, like, Erica Lania. No, not her. Donna D'Erico. That's right. It's oh, just, wow. Yeah. I've never seen the other ones. I haven't either. Besides... And I'm talking besides about... Besides the Candyman. Yeah, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the third one. I mean, Tony Todd's I, all I know. I haven't seen that one either. I haven't seen right. any of them. Bill, Bill Condon? Bill Condon. That's right. Bill Condon directs, uh, you know, Candyman 2. Oh, he did Kinsey. He did Kinsey. Chicago. Oh, yeah, he did Chicago, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. I still, I still haven't seen it, or the third one. Right, but I'm saying is that, like, by 99, the, though, that was a bad year. I feel like that's got to be that's shit. That's what I'm trying to say, is that, like, I feel like if they were going to make Candyman 1 in 1998, 1999, they're like, no, 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 everyone's got to be younger. Like, <laughs> we, want, we want a younger cast... You know, it's got to be, you know, uh, fucking Jennifer Love Hewitt as this, you know, student who's doing a, you know, a high school student who's doing a report on urban legend. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the problem I had with the, when I was trying to articulate what my issue was with the 90s was that, like, it was just, it didn't, there was, it was always like, what is marketable? What is, what, what do the kids want to see? <laughs> and whereas Candyman is like, it's all adults. In an era, yeah. in a type of film that is predominantly your victims are these teenagers. Oh, by the way, Ted Raimi showing up in a 
in a small part, which is great because uh, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it's I think it's a really smart, really well done film, and uh, everything about it just like fits like a glove. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was again I was living in New Jersey. This time it was with my mom and my stepdad, and I had this this house in the middle of fucking nowhere again. Because mm-hmm. that's all I did in New Jersey. Like, I grew up outside of Philly, but as we moved inwards into New Jersey, it was like we just kept moving into the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Where I was scared of everything because I had an overactive imagination. And we lived in this old giant house that was like, I could have sw- swore it was haunted. But I remember I, I borrowed Candyman on VHS from a friend of mine, and I put it on. And my mom didn't want me watching horror movies because I always got scared, but then I'd want to, you know. And... Um, this is funny because this still affects me to this day. Um, I watched Candyman and I was fucking <laughs> so scared. And the sun's going down, and I think I thought I heard my mom pulling into the driveway. And I was really, I was like super anxious to go meet <laughs> So I ran out and I jumped out the, the front door and I like hit the, the, the concrete and I fucking twisted my ankle. All right, I bust, uh-huh. bust my foot. To this day, that foot still gives me problems. But it was because I'd watched Candyman and got super freaked out and was just, just want to say, see my mom say, hey, everything's okay. I'm not, I'm not scared, you know, <laughs> not, not freaked out. I'm not a cop. Um, but, uh, so it, it, but it's one of those movies that still holds up. I mean, I really feel like it, 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 it persists, you know, and, and, uh, interesting fact that I just, that was announced in September is Jordan Peele is supposed to be producing a remake. That would be cool. I think he I think has, so like, too. really great vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he can pull off in movies is, it's especially on one that has, like, also social pieces mixed in with it. Um, not only being an urban legend movie, but being poignant of the time, like, yeah. the 90s. Um, I think that would be awesome. I fucking love Jordan Peele. I want him to make so many things. Well, he's, I mean, that's what, what I like about Jordan Peele is that he he's clearly a fan of horror, you know? Yeah, and he's, like, very indulgent to, like, his fans. Did, did you ever see... He did, like, this Q&A where he was, like, answering and, like, someone had a conspiracy theory about Get Out and um, being John Malkovich. And he was, like... Yeah. And, and I think it's great because he was, like, wow, that's perfect. So, yes, it is a continuation of being John Malkovich. You're right. And it's, like, he totally just gives that to us. Like... Yeah, I mean... It's, it's funny. I feel like all you need to really, like, appreciate Jordan Peele is watching that Gremlins 2 sketch from Key and Peele, which I... Key and Peele is so fucking funny. Which I think the Gremlins 2 sketch, though, is, like, yep, this is probably one of the greatest things ever put up. Because it's fucking... It's so funny and it's yeah. so true. But, um... No, I mean, like, I, I, he's a big fan of horror, but I also think what I like about him is that he knows how to tell those social commentary stories. Yeah, in a type of way. In a type of way that, like, you know, it's, it's I don't want to say it's accessible, but it's not, it doesn't feel like you're getting the point hammered into your head yeah. in a bad way, you know? Um, I feel like he's not preachy, but yet you know there's a message right there in front of you that's, that's yeah. happening, but you don't feel like you're getting talked to or lectured. You feel like you're like, oh, this is... He is being able to be, he's being entertaining while yeah, still while making being a really, exactly. Of, of the subject content, yeah. Exactly. Uh, which is why I'm, I'm as excited as I am that he could be remaking Candyman, and as much as I love Get Out, I think I'm the most excited for what he's going to do with Twilight Zone, because mm-hmm. that's, that's Twilight Zone, you know, through and through. Twilight Zone is, every episode is a fucking lesson, a moral, morality lesson, but in an entertaining way where you don't feel... Yeah. And so I think with Jordan Peele behind that, it's going to be great. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Candyman. And um, I don't know. I still love it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it holds up for the most part. I don't think there's anything campy about it. I, I mean, don't. it is kind of. How? It just has that, like, 
wash over it. Why, why Be, because it's so many different pieces of. I think of that's because folklore. the era came in. I mean, that is exactly what's I mean, yeah, I think came it's because in. It's it was the nineties. It is the nineties. I mean, that gang when they're like hanging campy. outside that fucking the whole nineties is campy. Yeah, but when they're that gang that's hanging outside Cabrini Green and that blazer he's wearing, that yeah. like, that windbreaker, it's like that's that's as, flashy. That's, that's as campy as it's gonna get it, for me. Yeah, I feel like this movie's pretty fucking sophisticated for, especially for its. Um, yeah, but you love the eighties too, which is. Yeah, but I, I acknowledge... Like, I feel like it's so... But here's the thing is that when, when we watch some of the movies that we watch for this podcast, I will admit when a movie is campy. Like, popcorn, I love it. It's campy, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, Monster Squad is campy. I think Candyman's... You know, I, I may enjoy watching those ones more... Yeah. Because I have... Because those are I fun. I do think pieces of it are campy. It is. The whole hook hand thing... It's gross. It's got nails yeah. in it. I, it. It does have nails in it. It's just kind of funny. It's gross. <laughs> it's like hammered into his yeah, stubby. Man. They fucked him up. His honey stub thing. Oh, man. Also, yeah, that baby part. Like, that's not really. I mean, okay, I guess if you're like going to dive into the supernatural, you could somehow believe that Candyman can keep a baby alive for a month. Yes. But okay. That, but, but like, what is he feeding him? I honey re- from his nub? I don't know. That's but disturbing. I didn't, remember, I didn't remember any of that part. But then as we were watching it this time, I was like, wait a minute. I know that in the next scene, they're going to reveal that she's been in an insane asylum for a month or the hospital for a month. How is this baby still going to be alive? And then they, they, right when I thought it is the scene where he walks over and he's like, kind of like putting his finger over the kid's mouth. And I was like, oh, he's feeding the baby. But feeding him what? Ghost juice? Ghost honey. <laughs> Whatever. Kids are fucking creepy. Oh. They'll eat. They can sustain, it's not camping. They can sustain themselves on boogers. I think they can sustain themselves on they ghost sure honey. They sure can. Little boogery freaks. Uh, speaking of eating boogers, uh, to, you know, this Thanksgiving's this week, so... You know, hopefully you have a family <laughs> you can. Feast. <laughs> there's a family you can gather around with to eat boogers and tell stories. Um, we are going to do an episode on creepy kids. Um, we got a really fun. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I really can't because yeah. I got a long list of creepy kids. I do too. Like when you you're like, I want to talk about creepy kids. Uh, I was like, I started writing a list and I was like, and some of it were like obvious choices that I was like, oh yeah. man, like. You know, I mean, I, I think everybody's going to have Linda Blair. The same. Well, yeah, I think they're going to have probably the same top five. Because there's, like, especially in classic horror movies, you have... Yeah. Or at least American classic horror movies, you have an idea already. Yeah, I mean, Creepy Kids is definitely an Amer- is, a, is I find it more in American horror films than I do in, in any other... The Japanese horror films, a lot of Creepy Kids. That's true, that's true. I mean, the Japanese are obsessed, but they're also... The thing is, the Japanese find everything... They manage to turn everything creepy. Yeah, that's why I love them so much. Yeah, I mean, like, octopuses, they're like, let's make it creepy. Like, let's, <laughs> you know... Not, and cre- octopus is already creepy. Um, you know, sex, let's make it weird and <laughs> fucked up. You know, it's like... The Japanese, like, they, should, they don't count. Uh, that's my not favorite. because. Not because they of any should. other reason other than the fact that they just make everything creepy. Yeah. They make dinner creepy, you know? And I love it, but... Uh, so, we will be... Uh, in December, we've got a great mini-episode coming up, and then we're going to do our Christmas episode where I get to give you your Christmas present. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. It's going to be great. Yeah, guys. All right. Candyman, Urban Legends, Creepy Kids. Shout out to... Who's, who said you, Who did you say covered that... Uh, now I want to look into that. that uh, oh, yeah. So let me give you the details. So it's it's another paranormal um, podcast. Into it. Uh, which is great because they, they kind of do a lot of um, folklore and urban legends, just like... 
Just like everybody... Um, oh, well, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's our good friends at Lore. No, I'm just Lore. kidding. Uh, Lore. Uh, it's a Stockberry Dark podcast, um, which is great, actually, because it's by my friend Pete, who is um, from Connecticut, so right. he ended very into the Warrens, um, very into, like, Connecticut and Northeast folklore, and then... Um, I, fuck, I can't remember his name, but he's from Finland, and so there's a ton of, like, history and, like, weird shit to go over there. Um, they have other people on to tell them their kind of, like, own urban legend type right. of things, so, um, yeah, check them out. Uh, check out Lore, <laughs> Lore with Har's uh, version of Ira Glass, which, the, I don't know if you've ever listened to Lore, which no, I really enjoy that what? podcast, but the, you've never listened to Lore? No. It's great. You That's should. Like you're joking. But the, the, the host of it, he sounds like the horror version, like, of Ira Glass from This American Life, you know? It's almost really? like, Ghosts in America, a story in three acts, act one, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's really great. Yeah. Um, so, check that out, and, um, and check out uh, other episodes, and, uh... We will, uh... Yeah, just listen to our whole catalog and celebrate it with us. And you can tell us which ones you think are campy and which ones you don't. Yeah, I think everything's campy, and especially when people try to tell me something's not campy, I will shit all over you. But it doesn't mean I don't like you. I know. Just so you know. I know. I love you guys. All right, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Peace out. All right, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror and you say his name five times... In cities everywhere. Candyman? They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Miles. Where did I... It ain't safe around here. That don't scare too easy. Don't know about Ruthie G. They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know you? Now she is about to discover. Helen? Get out! Get out! What's behind the mystery? You suck. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all, come with me.